Hello, my loves. Julia Renee here. Just wanted to pop on real quick to talk about our monthly giveaway. All you have to do to win is rate and review the show, and every month we're going to pick one lucky winner from the reviews to get a prize. Whether it's supplements, clothing, gift cards, or any other cool prize that I can't really think of right now. Your feedback really means a lot to us, and it's going to help us grow the podcast. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Know Your Power podcast. I am your host, Julia Renee. And I am Kendall Graboff. And today, guys, we have a special guest over Zoom, Dela McDevitt. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited. Um, We have so much to go over today, guys. She has had the most incredible business. I've been following her for a couple of years now and just seeing it grow and how much she just cares about people who follow her and her own clients and educating. I think that's one of the biggest things that I notice about you, Dela, is how much you educate the people that are your clients and the people that are following you. Yeah, that's really nice of you to say. Um, it's kind of like the the cornerstone of people actually being able to make changes, right? I think there's a lot of information out there that's just kind of like, do this, do that, but it doesn't really teach people the why behind the actions that they're taking. And I think that that piece is really important so people can actually connect with the actions and like, you know, make lasting changes. So we really, really value education for sure. I love that I so love, much. I love that too. I feel like when you're educated on something, it's a lot easier to stick with it versus just like blindly trusting your coach or whoever is giving you advice. Yeah. I'm curious too, like with your, the beginning of your fitness journey, and we'll kind of go into like your whole story, but was that a aspect that you felt like was missing from this industry, like actual education? Is that why you do it so much? Yeah, that's super intuitive of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I basically was like, you know, I had turned around, I was 25, 26 years old, and I had a nursing degree and I was a practicing nurse. And I felt like I knew absolutely nothing about fitness and nutrition. And I was kind of like, how did I get through the entire school system as well as nursing school? And I work in the medical profession. And I've never heard of a macro. I couldn't tell you what protein does in my body. I couldn't even begin to speculate how many calories I need in a day. Nutritional labels just say based on a 2000 calorie diet. And I was like, how do we know nothing about our own bodies? And we're, you know, you you can turn around and be 30 years old and you still don't even know how to feed yourself and how to exercise. Oh my God. That's so crazy. And I, and I just remembered that you were a nurse before this. I remember when I followed you, you would show like, um, it was a couple, like a couple years ago, but you would post pictures of yourself in your uniform. And I was like, this is so crazy. So guys, we are really in for lots of education here, (laughs) but we kind of want to like, take it back. Like we want to take it back. How did you get to be this incredible business owner, wife, and honestly influence in the community? Where did it all start? Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a good question. So I kind of just alluded to that. I, uh, like many women, struggled with eating disorders growing up. Just the whole, like, got to eat less if you want to be skinny, right? Pasta's bad. Bread is the enemy. You want to be doing cardio because Lord knows we do not want to be bulky. So, like, avoid a leg press at all costs. We just want to be as small as possible. And uh, like I said, I was I was three years into a nursing career and I was about 25, 26 years old. And so I'd been struggling with under eating and eating disorders for about 11 or 12 years at that point. And frankly, it was just exhausting. I was kind of just getting to a tipping point of like, 
all I do is think about like how much cardio I need to do, like relative to how much I ate. I was tired of like starving myself all day if I wanted to go out to eat with friends that night. I was in constant negotiations about like how much I was allowed to eat or drink relative to my activity level and my like abstinence from eating. And I was like, there's, there's just gotta be a better way. And actually Instagram is what sparked the biggest change in me. Cause I started using social media more. It started becoming more popularized. And frankly, I discovered accounts of women who lifted weights and they were all talking about the same things. They were all saying like, carbs are your friend. I eat bread every day after my lifts. I cook all my food in butter. And I seriously was baffled. I was like, you know, scrolling their accounts. And I was like, why are these women talking about eating carbohydrates? Like, how have they unlocked this magical secret to like, having a positive relationship with food? And at that point, I didn't understand it. I didn't really know how they were achieving it. But I just decided like, I'm going to start emulating exactly what they do. If they're not doing that much cardio and they're doing a lot of resistance training and they have figured out how to like eat food and like release themselves of a bunch of food guilt, then I'm going to get a gym membership. And I got my first gym membership in 2016 when I was 26 years old. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's amazing. And I, I love that you said that because that was a very similar story for me. Me and too. Is what I, was, I was like, I feel like every woman can relate to that statement. Yeah. You just see someone and you're like, wait, that's possible. And it just blows your mind. You're like, I have been struggling so much. You feel like a hamster just running on a wheel and there's no stop. And you're like, wait, there's another option. And it was so, so much healthier. So that's really, really cool. So you got into the gym in 2016 and you got your first membership and you were 26 years old. Then what happened after that? Yes. So I made my Instagram public and I, that's whenever I made my Instagram. Dayla loves dumbbells. Cause I was like, I had, I barely knew what a dumbbell was, but I was like, I'm going to make this fitness Instagram. And I decided I'm going to blog about what it's like going from kind of like the classic cardio bunny under eater. And I'm just going to blog about what I'm learning, how weightlifting is impacting me, what I'm learning about nutrition of course, never with the intention to make a business out of it. I was actually on the trajectory to get a master's in nursing and I wanted to become a nurse practitioner at the time. But I was like, this has been really hard for me and other Instagram accounts have been really influential. So now I'd like to like see if I could become an Instagram account and you know, if any, if it helps anybody. So I did that for about two years, discovering macros, discovering lifting you know, setting a lot of those baseline, base, uh, baseline foundations and getting a lot better at things like form. And during that time, I was really fortunate to have amassed a pretty decent following. Mm -hmm. And I had like 30 or 40,000 followers on Instagram. And people started messaging me like, hey, can you write me a nutrition program? Like, hey, can you write me a workout program? I'm sure that like you've experienced that multitude mm -hmm. of times, you know, in your path as well. And I started sitting around thinking about it. And I was like, well, well, why not? I'm really passionate about this. And this person uh, wants some help. So I got a NASM CPT. I like got online and was like, mm -hmm. I need to legitimize myself. And I got a NASM CPT. And I was like, okay, like I'm now going to offer one-on-one -on -one coaching and just see what the response is like. And I, I was, you know, 
really, really fortunate because after multiple years of kind of nurturing an audience without an offer, once I finally launched an offer, the response was was really overwhelming. And, you know, I hesitate to already say like the rest is history, but it kind of felt like that. You know, it was like in March of 2018. So right about two, two years, I decided to open up for coaching. By the end of that year, like eight months later, Sean and I both quit our jobs. We had like 150 clients in the community and we were just like both full-time online coaches. Wow. That is so amazing. That is crazy. And I think that's honestly the first time that I met your husband, Sean, because me and him were in a kind of like an Austin fitness community group together on Instagram. And so I only knew him on social media. And then that's how I found you. And I met him in person and I was, and he was just so bubbly. Hi, I'm in that group with you. Nice to meet you. He was so freaking cute. Now, how long have y'all been together? We've been together for seven years now. Oh my God. What's funny is you know, everything happens for a reason. That gym membership that I got in 2016, I'd been working out there for about two weeks. Like I was so new to the gym, had never been at the gym ever. Guess who walks up and hits on me? No. Within the first month of me being at the gym. (laughs) I was like, like, okay. I was like, these Instagram girls knew what was up. Cause now I've got all these like hot men, like coming at me and I got a new man at the gym. And now I got like a gym buddy. That is amazing. That's so cute too. All yeah. the fitness girls listening to this are like, oh, can that be me? No. <laughs> because it's it's so they they align with you. And I think that that's really important. And one thing that I do find about a lot of people that are really passionate about health and fitness and taking care of themselves is that it trickles into other aspects of their lives. You know, that's that's how I met my boyfriend Zach, you know, not at the gym, but our first date was at the gym and we just aligned on so many aspects of our life you know spiritually physically mentally like all of these things so I'm really happy that you guys have found that together yeah that's so cool that that's kind of how you guys met too and that was your first date mm-hmm. yeah I know you had mentioned that you were both able to quit your job and do coaching do you guys mm-hmm. do it together or you each have your own separate training no we now actually do it together so I was solo coaching at the time. Sean also had no intention of joining me, but I was getting really overwhelmed between nursing full time and then coaching. So I was like, can I point you in on some admin tasks? So he was helping me with like invoicing, customer support, contracts. And, you know, he's he's along for the ride the whole journey. And I'm kind of like talking his ear off every night about macros and fitness and programming. And he's doing a lot of this stuff with me. He's also... um he was a D1 athlete in college. So he was actually a lot more familiar with like lifting and exercise than me. And he taught me a lot of stuff in the beginning. So finally, um, summer came around and I was like, you know, I think that you could start like taking some clients with me. Like I can't, I'm, I'm maxed out. I can't take any more clients. And he was like equally as passionate, kind of like, let me in coach. And so we opened up his roster as well. And then we were both full before you know it. He was equally as passionate about it. So now our company is owned. Um, we both co-own it. I own 51% and he owns 49% because he said that it was really important to him that it's a woman-owned business. Oh, I like that. Oh my God. That so he gave me an cry. extra 1% because he was like, girl power. <laughs> Dude, I love that. It makes me love him even more. That is so adorable. Oh my God. So you guys have both 
you, you know, on your own have started this business and that he's come on with you and you've been able to help so many people uh, probably all over the world and especially have a big impact in the Austin area. And now I kind of want to go back a little bit to where you were struggling before you're the business owner that you are now, like when you were in that kind of cardio bunny phase, because I know that there might be a lot of people listening to this that are either still in it and trying to move out of it, or it can help them Mm -hmm. really, you know, analyze their past as well. So Uh I want it's easy to look at people that have a good relationship with food and be like, okay, that's what I want to obtain. It's another, like such a hardship actually getting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it just, uh, I'm trying to like reflect back at some of like the key things that really helped me during that time. And I think it's really just making the decision and committing to the new path regardless of whether or not it's, you know, scary or you falter along the way, which I know a lot of people say things like that, but you know, you make a new decision that you're like, Hey, I want to start healing my relationship with food. I want to start eating more food and I want to start going to the gym. But then perhaps, you know, a few weeks into doing that, you notice the scale go up or you're not sweating as much. And you start to feel these pulls towards these past behaviors that, you know, we've been, you know, speaking personally, I was kind of addicted to for the longest time. I was addicted to feeling small, to my clothes, feeling baggy, to, you know, running six miles and just feeling completely empty, losing like three pounds of water. And when you decide that you're going to go on a different path, you have to know and accept that it's going to be different. And as those little like past proclivities pop up, I think that's when a lot of people revert and and go back. And I I will admit that I struggled too. At, at first, I would I made these negotiations with myself where I'd get to run two miles and then I'd weight lift. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go like five miles of running to like just resistance training with an emphasis on progressive overload. No, it, admittedly, I was doing circuit training at first and I was doing like two, um, like two miles of jogging and then getting into lifting and then like slowly titrating the running down and like slowly titrating mm-hmm. the um, lifting up. But it came with weight gain and it came with, you know, in like healthy weight gain. Cause when you've been under eating, you're very small because you're under eating and that's not like a good thing. So the weight gain isn't bad, but my clothes fit different. You know, you start to grow a booty and then like <laughs> every, everything, everything's tighter in the thighs. Like everything's tighter in the thighs and it's tighter in the butt. You're really coming into a completely new body and lifestyle than you've ever known. And I think it's natural to have apprehension around that, but it's like really setting yourself up so that no matter how scared you are, you can keep going. And that's why I think even coaching is really helpful for a lot of people because when they're kind of having that panicky moment, they Mm -hmm. have that coach that they can message in that moment who can kind of like talk them through it, educate them and create that accountability to keep them going, as well as having a good support system in your life. I think that especially making these monumental changes, I know that Sean was really pivotal pivotal for me and helping keep me going. And so trying as much as you can to get the people in your life supporting you and kind of bought in as well. That's a really good answer. Yeah, that's really good. That is so good. And there is so many people that are in that phase where they're trying to kind of transition out of what they know life to be. 
And it is so hard. And I know I can relate to you so much when you're talking about having, it's like you're having one foot in the door, but the other is like still back there. Like, I still want to keep it right here because you you're holding on to this old person, this old body, this old weight. And it's almost like you're, I always like to say, it's like your little crab and you're trying to like come out of your shell and go into a bigger shell. So I kind of want to ask you like, what, were you feeling emotionally when you were transitioning there? Because I know it's hard to see your clothes fit differently. Maybe you get a little bit more fat in your face, which is all so good. The scale goes up. What was that like for you? What was that kind of like tug and pull? Yeah. So definitely had a lot of those like shocked moments of like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? I need to buy new jeans. Like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? I've gained five pounds. And like the old like runner is like, you know, you could just go run another half marathon and lose three pounds. You know, you could just skip dinner tonight. And like, you Mm -hmm. could probably like your tummy would be flatter in the morning. And so it's kind of like the, the little devil on your shoulder, so to speak. And you just have, you like recognize that that is no longer serving you. And there's a reason that you started on the new path in the beginning. I think one of the most motivating things that's really helpful in the opposite direction is just all of the cool shit that starts to happen once you start eating and changing your life. I had so much more energy and like mental clarity. And I was like, that's kind of addicting. It feels great to feel great every day. Like I'm no longer guzzling coffee because I'm actually eating calories every day. So I was like, I have way more energy. My sex life is way better because I have a much healthier libido. And um, the achievement that comes with lifting in the gym, when you're just a runner in the way that I was for um, burning calories, how many miles equals how many calories? I wasn't really going for like a faster time or a new achievement or a more difficult course. Every single run, the only outcome desired was sweat and caloric burning versus when I started getting into resistance training, I was like, oh, there's these things called PRs. I can learn these new exercises. I can like pick up a heavier weight. I can shock myself and like do shoulder presses with like 30 pounds when I've only ever done 25 pounds. And so there's, there's, there's these like new levels of achievement that are also really motivating because they build confidence. You feel like you're actually getting better. You feel like you're learning a new skill. You feel like you're improving in something. And then you start thinking like, what could I do next week? Like yes. what, you know, what could I hit a deadlift? It's PR so exciting. Like, what's around the corner? It's so true. And then you start to transfer from having these other dopamine hits that are honestly kind of unhealthy where you're sweating three pounds of water off dopamine hit your wake up with like a really flat tummy, you know, all of those start transferring over to having new, healthy, strong ones where it's like, yeah, I'm I'm PRing, I'm healthier. Like, oh, I was able to do a 20 pound, 25 pound um, shoulder press. And this week I can do 30 pounds. Like, yeah. I love that feeling. And it's about kind of like, how do we transfer over into these new and healthier dopamine hits? Kendall and I did a podcast before this where we were talking about um, replacing, you know, bad habits with good habits and how you get rid of that bad one is like, you don't just like try to get rid of it completely. You replace it with something that's going to be healthier for you and move you forward. And I love that you did that with lifting. Yeah. I, you guys are so spot on that you have to replace it with something healthy because it's like, we're not talking about quitting exercise. 
you know, because yeah. a lot of people that are under eating and over exercising are addicted to exercise. And the idea of like lowering exercise in any way can be extremely daunting and like extremely intimidating. And it's like, no, 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 you don't have to, you don't have to like omit it and quit it. You can just switch to a different form. And so when you're having those like pulls towards those past proclivities that you knowingly want to get away from, I think like hyper focusing on the new levels of achievement and like the new yeah. exciting things about the journey can keep you moving in the positive direction and keep you moving forward. I love that so much. I'm thinking back to when I was like first starting in the gym and how exciting it was to move into this new phase of my life where I was literally like that nerd at the gym with the logbook. And I was like, okay, this week I did this. And then next week I'm going to do this. And I just couldn't wait for my next workout because it was so yeah. empowering to be able to feel strong instead of feel stripped and weak. And then that's one of those things that is difficult for me for being a professional bodybuilder is that I have to get so shredded and lean that mm -hmm. I go back to feeling like that cardio bunny person that I used to be where I had no energy. I had no sex drive. And all I was doing was literally working out, burning off the calories immediately. And I lose that power that I feel when I have PRs because I can't do them anymore because I have no strength. And it's sad. Yeah just a new to the gym feeling either. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been lifting for like over 10 years now and I still every year find that new thing to be excited about yes. or try or change. And I, yeah. So just a reminder for the people listening that are like, well, I'm not there. Like I've, I've been doing this a long time. It's like, you can still be excited and still find things to like motivate you to keep going or try something new or even switch from like bodybuilding to powerlifting, powerlifting to CrossFit, like find your outlet. Totally that. agree. Yeah. So the next question that I have for you is what three tips would you give women listening to this right now that are in that past phase of mm -hmm. kind of dealing with gaining weight, changing their body composition? What three tips would you give them to help them move past that and go into a new version of themselves? Mm, that's a great question. So I would say start small always set like small incremental goals. If you're eating 1200 calories in a day, don't decide that you need to eat 2200 starting tomorrow. Uh -huh. Setting like monumental immediate life overhauls is likely setting yourself up for failure. And it's going to feel really frustrating and overwhelming. So like baby steps absolutely counts. If you're eating 1200 calories, can you just eat 1400 calories and start like very, very incrementally make it work for you, make it easy and, um, build your way up. I would also say find somebody in your life that you can be honest with about like your new intentions and then what you're feeling along the way. That can be a friend, that can be your best friend, a gym buddy, that can be your partner, that can be a coach but only keeping the intentions and the struggles internally, you will make excuses for yourself. If you're the only person that knows what you're trying to do, you probably purposely didn't verbalize your goal because you knew others would hold you accountable to I it. feel attacked, Dayla. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're saying that and I'm like, there's so many things that I've done where I don't tell my partner and... <laughs> I love it. Sorry to interrupt. I, I, so dude, I've, I've been there. I've been there too. Cause you're like, well, if, if I just tell myself and then I don't do it, nobody knows. Nobody will ever know. Like nobody can ever judge me. Nobody <laughs> will know if I do it or don't do it except for me. 
Exactly. Exactly. And in weak moments, we will rationalize whatever we want. You know, we, we make decisions emotionally and then we rationalize them logically, even if it makes no sense. So if you're struggling and you're like hating the journey, you'll talk yourself out of it. You'll start convincing yourself that all these signs are bad and that it's like way better to revert to the past life and who's there to check you right yes. accountability is good Gosh, <laughs> we need that. it so good and then probably the third one is and this is a really hard one really try to like not focus on what other people think about you like particularly in the gym setting yeah. I cannot empathize more with like gym intimidation and you know everyone's kind of worried to try an exercise for the first time or try a machine and sit on it backwards and then you feel like a dork and you know you don't know what you're doing but just show up every day if you only go sometimes and you just walk on the treadmill and you just like scope out the gym watch other people using the machines and kind of mm -hmm. try to like learn that way if you're not comfortable hopping on yet if you need to go for like five ten minutes and you get overwhelmed and go home that's fine you got mm -hmm. there for five or 10 minutes. And I bet you the next time you'll probably be there for 12 minutes or, or 15 yeah. minutes or, you know, take a small set of dumbbells and a bench to a private corner and start testing some things out and getting the feel for things where you're not doing it in front of the mirrors with like all of the big jack dudes, if that's, if that's yeah. too intimidating for you. But really, really, really just trying to show up, trying to kind of put your blinders on. Because if you obsess over like whether or not people can tell that you're new, you're kind of missing the point. You know, you're mm -hmm. not really doing it for you anymore. You're in this mindset of doing it to be performative or you want to be cool or you want to be impressive. That's not mm -hmm. why we're exercising. That's such a good tip with the new year coming, because I know that comes a lot of newcomers to the gym and it can be overwhelming, intimidating. We do become kind of obsessed with the idea that everyone knows you're new and they're all paying attention to you. And I think like that reminder of everyone is thinking that therefore no one is actually focused on you. We're all. So true. Yeah. Whenever I, whenever I started at the gym, it was January. It wasn't January one, but it was like January 16th or something like that. And I, oh my gosh, um, if anybody needs to feel better about themselves, they can come to my Instagram and go look at some old form videos of me. <laughs> She was, you know what? She was learning and she was doing her thing, but like, God bless my spine back in the day and like my lower back. Like, you know, we all, we all have to like fumble, fumble some form sometimes before we learn. It's so true. And I like, I can think back to myself when I would be that person that grabbed the dumbbells and I would go into those little rooms where they did the classes and the class wasn't going on and I would be doing my workout. I have videos of me doing that because I was so freaking terrified, but there's no shame in doing that because it's been able to build us up to be the people that we are now that like all three of us are able to record ourselves working out in the gym. I still now get so anxious when I go to the gym. Like I was there yesterday and I forgot how to use a machine at my gym that I always go to. And I had a fucking panic attack. I was like, I'm an IFBB fucking pro and I don't know how to use this damn machine. And I was like, chill. Who gives a fuck? Nobody cares. It's okay. No one noticed that. Not you that many people. We always think everyone is staring daggers at us. But you were, Kendall was saying before, which I really loved is that everybody is thinking the same thing. Everyone's like, everyone's focusing about, on themselves. Yeah. Everyone's worried about, oh shit, what am I doing? How are people looking at me? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Sean told me a really fascinating uh, study that they did where they had somebody go into the gym and like this huge oversized Care Bear t-shirt that was like rainbow colors everywhere. And it was just kind of like a hilarious, ridiculous outfit with the intention of getting people's attention. And so they asked the individual wearing the the Care Bear shirt on their way out, were people looking at you? Did everybody see you? And they were like, oh, 90% of people noticed me in the gym. Did you see what I was wearing? Did you see what I was doing? I looked ridiculous. Everyone was staring at me. I was getting eyes all over the place. Everybody saw me. Everyone's aware of my presence. So then they pulled all of the gym goers on their way out. Like, did you notice an individual in a Care Bear t-shirt? And it was like 10 to 15% of them even noticed. So the perception of the person in the shirt was everyone's looking at me when everyone else was like, who are you talking about? That is so wild. Like that's so, I love studies like that, that just like prove our idiocy. (laughs) It's like, bam, right there. I love that. What was the question you wanted to ask? You know, I feel like I keep cutting in and out. Now I can hear you. Okay. Are we good? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I was going to ask, because the three of us are in similar spots now. We've been in the gym a long time. We have this healthy relationship with like our our workouts and our food. um, And we all have this kind of entrepreneurship tied to it. Where do you see yourself going now? Like, what is exciting you now? What do you want to move into or just continue working on for yourself? Yeah, so I I like what you said earlier about like, there's just always new goals to set, especially from a gym perspective. It's just limitless, right? Mm -hmm. So as far as my, you know, relationship with food and relationship with exercise, the sky's the limit. You can like, I I always want to like lift heavier. I always want to become stronger. I always want to become um, more skilled. And I think that a lot of the habits that you have in the gym and the strength that you feel also influences your entrepreneurial spirit and makes you like way more daring and confident because when you can see yourself overcome, you know, challenges, even on that microscopic level of like, you know, I couldn't do a 225 deadlift and now I can, you're like, well, I've never tried this new like lead gen strategy, but who's to say I can't figure that out? Who's to Mm -hmm. say I can't figure that out too? So, you know, it's kind of a nice like symbiotic relationship of like working on yourself and then it in tune gives you the confidence to keep working on your business and keep achieving new things. This is an interesting year for me because I'm also newly pregnant. So from like a, I'm I'm in a little bit of a different mindset because like from a business and exercise perspective, I'm a little bit more like babies kind of come in as like the forefront focus. So, you know, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I want to make this year like my biggest year in business ever. It's a little bit more like, how can we just keep doing what we're doing in a, in a sustainable way, which is also a really nice balanced mindset that I think once you heal your relationship with food and exercise, you're also okay with the periods where stability and like maintenance is is okay as well. You're no longer living in the extremes or the all or nothings that can come from those restrictive, obsessive mindsets. It can Mm -hmm. be like, wow, everything is just so great. And I feel so great every day. How can I just, you know, maintain this? How can this just kind of become the new lifestyle? So keep achieving at work, like keep going to the gym, keep up all of these healthy habits 
And, you know, even if I don't make monumental achievements this year, just maintaining this fantastic new lifestyle that I advocated so hard for and I worked so hard for, that in itself is a really powerful win. I totally, I, love that. I do. I love that so much. Because like one thing that I realize in life is that we have seasons where we push and we have seasons where we, I don't know if it's necessarily pull back or if we just just like live. Like for me, those seasons are prepping for a show, not prepping for a show. So it's like in season, off season. And I had a struggle dealing with those times where I wasn't pushing, where I wasn't pushing to win a show. I wasn't pushing to get a trophy. I wasn't pushing to be the best person that I could be on stage. And I struggled with that quote unquote low time. But those are the times where you can really do so much. And it's Mm -hmm. crazy. Like you said, you're, you're newly pregnant and having that stable relationship, stable business, fitness goals, healthy relationship with food. Now you can really focus on this new aspect of life. You're, you're going into, like we said earlier, a little crap. You're going into a completely (laughs) new shell. Like you're, you're becoming a mom and you're learning how to like do life with a human growing in your belly. And I think that this is a perfect transition to like, if you're comfortable, talk about that transition because it's incredible. And honestly, I need some tips because whenever that happens to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I love what you were saying about pushing. I don't know if you've ever read side or I don't know if you've ever read peak performance, but it talks about this recipe of stress plus rest equals growth, which like you would understand extremely well with like what you do, what you do in bodybuilding. But the same can be said in life. Cause it's like, if you're always pushing without the rest, you don't grow, like you're really stagnant. And so it's like recognizing that rest has like an amazing place. And like growth is on the other side of those rest periods too. Those like coasting periods Definitely. and like allowing them to be okay. Yeah. And I think that people really struggle with that, even fitness related in those pushes where they only find worth through being shredded. And then when they go into a bulk or a growing phase, they see it as a kind of like a disservice to themselves. And like, oh, and it's like, really guys, the most growth is done in those bulks and in those off seasons when you have the calories and the energy. And it's it's so wild to me. Like we need those rest periods for everything in life. Completely. Um, But on a, on a pregnancy note, Interestingly, like everything that we just talked about so far about, you know, healing your relationship with food and exercise and like, you know, there in your body image, it's really freaking helpful when you become pregnant. Wow. Because I've done the whole like, oh, the scale's going up. Oh, my clothes are fitting tighter. Oh, like this isn't, you know, I, I'm not, ex- I'm not sweating like I used to when I, when I did a bunch of cardio, like this is a whole new adjustment. Pregnancy will do that same thing to you. And any moms listening are like, oh, girl, you know, <laughs> um, because you if I'm, I'm first trimester right now. So I haven't even gone the whole distance, but it's like you wake up and some days baby's like, you're not working out today. Like uh-huh. you're nauseous. You don't feel that great. And it's like you might know what you want to do today. But now you need to like adjust to this new reality and like meet yourself where you're at. And you just can't kind of perfectly micromanage your life anymore because there's this Mm -hmm. whole introduction of symptoms and needs from your body. Maybe it needs more rest or you're more nauseous or you have headaches or you're not feeling as strong in the gym. And so even if you're like, but I have to work out five days a week and I have to eat like this and I have to have this regimen and I have to have this routine, it really kind of shows you 
that like you need to be flexible and like your clothes are going to get tight again and you're going to feel really bloated and you're the scale is going to go up all the time. And like, I can't really work on my delts right now. Like as much as I'd love to, like, you know, yeah. that's not the primary, the primary goal. The goals have to completely shift, but there's also something really beautiful in that in this, in getting to a place where you're like, exercise is going to be there my entire life. I'm going to be pregnant for nine months and I'm going to be able to create life in doing so and like go on this whole new motherhood adventure. And like, this is temporary. And so that also applies to people that might be on that healing journey where they feel like, you know, they're gaining weight and they're going in a direction that they didn't initially want. Like maybe they want body recomposition or fat loss, but they've been under eating for so long that now they kind of have to go on this more like health phase, gain weight, eat a little bit differently, like take their foot off of the gas. And they're like, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. I want to be pushing like what you were talking about earlier. I just want to push, 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 push. And like recognizing like, that's not really under my control right now. What my body needs from me is this, even if it's not like 100% aligned with like what I'd love to see in the mirror in my perfect world, but knowing like fitness is for life, whether you have to take like six months off of the gym for whatever reason, or you're injured, or you have to go on a hormone healing journey, or you're pregnant. You know, it, it's not, this isn't the end of my road. This isn't like, well, I had a good run lifting. <laughs> yes. You know, see you later. I'm never going to have like nice quads again. And just like recognizing that it's completely temporary and the gym's like always going to be there for you again in the future. I love that so much. That is so good. And it's, it's so true. Cause we go into all these different phases in life and like <laughs> done the same thing where I think like, oh, well I'm done. That's it for me. Like I have to take a year off of bodybuilding to grow and I'm dying because I can't be yeah. in a push phase. But the angel on my shoulder is saying like, Julia, you need this rest phase so that when you're in a push phase, you could come out and be the most like incredible competitor. And I think I really truly believe the same is for you. You're using this nine months to really rest and like figure out like this new body and, and you, these new feelings that you're having and like, becoming a mother and implementing that into your life and your business and your relationship. And then after I have a feeling knowing a little bit about you is that you're going to be like, let's push. Like, yeah. let's go. Same with you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, part. no, ab absolutely. And like, and during, during this time, like that, you know, you've had like the exact same experience of having to recognize, like you're buying into that long-term vision. Like you're like, I really want to push right now, but I'm not going to push for the next year because it's like, what will give me the best outcome eventually. And, you know, zooming out from this, that creates space for things that aren't even just fitness and nutrition related. What's really cool about those like non-push phases in your fitness journey specifically is they create space for hobbies or travel or like, I don't know, new skills that you want to learn or take up. And life isn't all about fitness. Like we all love fitness on this podcast, but it's like our lives aren't just like what we're eating and what we're doing in the gym. You can be well-rounded as well. And there's like the beauty in those non-push phases is like, could I take up painting? Could I take up pottery? Could I learn a new language? Could I like finally go visit that friend that I've like wanted to go see forever? Cause now you have the space to do that because you're not in an all out prep phase, you know, yeah. where that's like consuming your whole world. Yeah. And that's why this podcast is a thing. <laughs> oh, oh my God. There's a spider right in the middle of us. 
Sorry. He dropped in the middle of us. While she was talking, I was like, I'm not going to interrupt her. I'm not going to interrupt Thank you for not doing that because I would have legit freaked the fuck out. (laughs) I I couldn't even see it. It's scary. Get a show me. I hate bugs. Anyways, um, a little bit more on the pregnancy aspect. I know that you're passionate about the, I, I don't even know what this is, but when you we were messaging earlier, you said IVF and fertility. What, what is that? We were both like, what? But like, we're also <laughs> not in the stage where we're like, yeah. Attempting to get pregnant. Oh yeah. So I, I realize it is, it is still pretty niche. Only like 11% of couples will go through IVF. So IVF is in vitro fertilization for oh gosh, people no. that struggle with infertility. You've probably heard of in yes. vitro fertilization. You just haven't seen the acronym. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, that's how Sean and I are pregnant. Oh my God. Actually. How yeah. Was yeah. Um, what's the process of IVF? Yeah. Oh, it's a pretty wild ride, but <laughs> high level. So we, we have male factor infertility, which means that Sean, unfortunately, like isn't, um, fertile in such a way where we can get pregnant, the traditional method of just having sex. (laughs) So, so what they do, you know, I'll try to simplify the steps in IVF. They uh, prep my body to be able to like harvest as many eggs as possible. This usually takes like 10 days to two weeks, depending on the woman. And it's just a series of medications, injections, and the goal is to get as many eggs in one fell swoop. You guys probably know, like when we ovulate every month, we just release one egg. In IVF, they're like medically inducing a scenario where they're hoping to get 10 eggs, 20 eggs, 30 eggs by just overstimulating your body to produce. At the same time, like literally on the same day that they harvest your eggs, if your partner or the donor that you're using is not infertile, they just provide a sample. Or in the case of Sean and I, they actually do a a quick procedure on him as well to try to extract as many healthy sperm as possible. And then they combine sperm and egg in actual Petri dishes. That's like, that's a real thing. When they say Petri dish babies, they are serious. They are Petri dish babies. Petri dish babies. Yeah, so they should name them Petri. Yeah, I know. It's like, should he name our should our son be named like Peter or something to like honor the process? I love it. Well, I'm so happy for you. Um, I feel was it a long process in order to figure all of this out? Um, yeah, it took us about 14 months of treatment from the time that we started getting diagnosed to the time of getting pregnant. I think because a lot of couples that are young and healthy, they tell you to just go start trying for like six months to a year. Mm -hmm. So that already kind of like gets a lot of time under people's belts because we were trying for about eight months before we sought treatment. And then we were in treatment for like 14 months. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Yeah. There's this new new road that you're going down. I love it. Now, I kind of want to transition more into, if you're open to it, kind of you and your husband's relationship. I know that it's been really pivotal for both of you guys, business-wise, and everything that y'all do together. So how is it working with your partner? (laughs) Yeah, just in general? Yeah. (laughs) Right now, things are especially good. That's definitely been colored by IVF. It's been a really trying and, you know, like difficult thing to navigate. So I think that there's had to be like extra buy-in and extra support, you know, where we kind of just haven't been like going along through life where you like have decent communication and like you have the ebbs and flows. 
when you're kind of like in it and really focused on a goal together, you really have to like drop egos, you know, like sacrifice for each other. And it's no longer like, did you unload the dishwasher? I've been taking out the trash more than you or like, I don't know, like you're not, you know, giving me all the things that I need. We're more focused on like an outward goal. And that's really been a powerful connector, thankfully. So it's really bonded us like even more than we had been previously. I love that. I feel like in relationships, there's three aspects to the relationship. There's you, there's your partner, and then there's the relationship. And I feel like those little like nitpicky things that I do all the time, Zach's probably ears are ringing right now, but uh, those things where it's like, I do this, you do that. Maybe we should do this. Like those are when we're kind of talking about our individual selves as a relationship. And I feel like right now you guys are in that phase where you're really focusing on like, okay, us together, it's go time. I love that. I love that you talked about the, like the third party. Cause you know, it's, you're like one of the only other people that I've heard mention that we had a, a, a relationship coach at the start of IVF, just because we were like, we probably need to like get on the same page hardcore if we're going to, you know, go through something. And honestly, I think that all couples should try it at some point because it's just like, how does it hurt? Kind of like therapy. Um, but she said that it's like, there's Sean, there's me. And then the relationship is a third party entity. And our primary goal is not like for Dayla to get her needs met or for Sean to get his needs met. The relationship is winning when that third party entity is winning. So like, even wow. when it comes to conflict, it's Sean is not right. Dayla does not need to apologize. Like in that exact way, it's like, we need to come to the compromise where the relationship is the ultimate winner. Like it's never yeah. about the individuals. And ever since she said that to me and we started making that shift it's been truly like life-changing for our relationship because you stop nitpicking each other as much and it's not just like me 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 they should anticipate all of my needs and be my mind reader it's like how (laughs) can I express myself in a powerful way to advocate for the relationship exactly and totally reframes things I bet that's been so pivotal in like y'all's relationship like that mind shift alone is going to help so many people listening to this because we do get so centered in like the me, me, me aspect. What am I not getting? What do I need from this relationship? And if you go into conversations with anybody, really, like even Kendall and I, we're best friends. There's Kendall, there's me, then there's our relationship. But if you go in with the intention and the passion behind like, how can we better this relationship together? Like, what do you need? What do I need? And how can we make that ebb and flow so that we have a unbreakable bond together? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of, uh, you know, all of the resources and kind of education that's been out there in the past few years about setting boundaries and like removing people from your life that don't serve you and like cutting off anyone, you know, you don't owe them an explanation, cutting out toxic people. I think that's been helpful to a degree. And like, certainly if somebody is bad for your life and your mental health, like I, I, you know, absolutely agree with like setting boundaries and cutting them off. But I also think in some ways it's potentially been misinterpreted as like, everything should be about me, you know? And like maybe people hear that not knowingly being selfish or not knowingly, you know, being inappropriate, but they're just like, yeah, it is about me. Are my needs getting met? Like, what about me? What is this person doing for me? How are they serving me? How's their energy affecting me? Wow. But when you're in a relationship, that's just, it's just not all about you. It's yeah. this agreement that, again, like it's 50-50 and it is about that third party entity. And so I think it's like really powerful to remember that, especially in a little bit of like the culture that we're seeing today, because 
we can't just be myopic. If we want to be entirely myopic and all about ourselves, then we shouldn't be in relationships. I have never heard anybody explain it in that way. And I love it so much because you're right. This energy, it's a good, it's coming from a really good place, but it can mm-hmm. be very negative on the other hand. It's like, ain't nobody, you know, they're not meeting my needs. Bye. You're not doing this for me. Yeah. Bye. And for me, I think there's so much growth in trying to deal with difficult people. Like there's been so many difficult people in all of our lives and it's so much easier to just be like, nah, I'm not dealing with it. Nah. Like it's definitely easier if you and your partner are fighting just to say, forget it, whatever. But there's so much growth in trying to realize the other human because we are all completely different humans, but we don't realize that when we're talking, we're like, why don't you do things this way in this order? Like I do, you're dumb for doing it the way that you do, but we're a different human meeting a different human. And we need to figure out how do we coexist together? And I love that because that energy of the society today is a good one, but I do see a lot of that energy being. There's a lot of narcissistic behavior. (laughs) And I feel like it's refreshing. Like I know we're both like painfully self-aware. It's refreshing also hearing like another new viewpoint of being self-aware and really viewing like other people's needs almost even more so above yours, but not too above. Like there's a balance there. Yeah. Well, the thing is, to your point about kind of like narcissistic, like how it can come across as narcissistic, nobody says like, you know what? I totally messed up and I bailed on you. Cut me out of your life. I'm yeah. toxic. <laughs> do, it. do it to me. Please do it to me. Set those boundaries. Like I, I suck. I don't deserve another chance. No. When it comes to us, we want grace. We want space to make mistakes. We want understanding. We'd like second chances. We'd like opportunities to communicate. We'd like containers to explore feelings. We have to give the same things to other people. We can't expect all of like the grace and patience and space for ourselves. But then if anyone bugs us at all, they're gone. And we're just going to like, you know, sass pants. I I held my boundary. Isn't that so awesome of me that I just like nixed that person who was really important in my life. Yeah. And I think this can be difficult too, especially like with all the holidays, like around the corner and past by the time you're listening to this is like the family dynamics and all of that break that that brings as well. Because I know a lot of these relationships are actually intertwined in your family. And it's not so easy to just snip, cut your family out. You know, it might be easier to cut out that like friend you talked to one time that broke a boundary. It's like, all right, bye, bitch, or whatever. But (laughs) then it's like when it's a family, like that's where it gets really, really challenging. And a partner too. It's like, you have to do these things, these really difficult and uncomfortable conversations in order to grow with this person if, you know, they are positive in your life sometimes they might. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Family is for sure the hardest because it's like, it's like, okay, I want to cut this person out of my life, but I'm going to see them next weekend at the family event. It's definitely harder to navigate. For real. Well, I love that so much. Now, one thing to kind of like wrap up the podcast, there's so much, so many good nuggets here, but um, the one thing that we ask people because our podcast is the Know Your Power podcast and we teach you how to be physically, spiritually, and mentally fit. Like all these aspects of your life are so important. And we always ask our guests, when was the moment that you knew how powerful you really were? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Everyone usually needs a minute. So if you need a minute. To yeah, yeah. It. Um, okay. No, I think I, I think I know it. So 
um, going back to being like blogger Dela, you know, not really knowing what trajectory I was going to be on, started coaching people, like still didn't have a lot of like awareness of like impact or, you know, just like was hoping I was doing a good job. Um, our company is DLD Nation now. And that was a title that like our community of clients self-proclaimed. They started wow. making it like a hashtag and they started calling themselves members of DLD Nation. And like, I'm proud to be in DLD Nation. Like we are DLD Nation. And we changed the whole company name because of that. Because at the time it was Dela, like Dela's fitness company. And I think that was just a, a really pivotal moment because I was like, wow there's something happening here. Like this isn't anymore like a nurse that's like blogging on the side. People are being impacted in a really powerful way. And I think I became aware of like my ability to impact others, even though I'd been doing it for a few months, it just really hadn't dawned on me that like my actions can have a significant impact on others. And even if you're listening and like you don't own a company and you're not a coach, the same absolutely applies to you that like your actions the way you carry yourself the way you interact with other people the way that you like love other people the energy that you give them has a massive massive impact on others and i think that makes you hyper aware of your own power and then mm -hmm. wanting to like nurture that power to make it even better because then your impact is even better it's yeah. a beautiful answer it is and i love that you did mention that like it doesn't matter if you own your own business, if you have followers, it doesn't, none of that shit matters because how you carry yourself out throughout the day, even if you say, hi, how are you to that person at the checkout that you can tell is having a really rough day, even though it's so tiny, you impacted that person so much because maybe someone in their family passed away. Maybe they're struggling in their relationship. Maybe they're, they don't know if they're going to make rent and you taking time to shine your light helped them so much. So thank you so much for mentioning that. doesn't matter yeah. who you are, what you do. You can spread that everywhere. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dayla. This has been so incredible having you on and getting to really get to know you. Um, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Dayla Loves Dumbbells. And then our, our website for all the fun things we do is dldnation.com. Cool, guys. And we'll also put it in the um, show notes for you. So you can go and find her Instagram, sign up for her coaching, you know, really get to know her and her incredible husband. And I'm just so excited to see the impact that you are going to continue to have. And I'm so glad to know you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. This was a ton of fun. Of course. Well, guys, that's going to be it for today's podcast. And as always, we love you all so much and you are more powerful than you think. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Know Your Power podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend and rate and review the show. Also, if you have any questions that you'd like to be answered on the show, feel free to email us at knowyourpowerpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, bye. Bye.